Welcome to today's episode of the Insurance Life and Everything in Between podcast. My name is Adam Bersan. And I'm Chris Smith. If you've yet to do so, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to share it with a friend or colleague. We greatly appreciate your help and support. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about uh, how to come up with other ways of generating business outside of just working leads. Uh, This is not a training to push people away from working leads because leads really, to to me, is like the name of the game. You know, leads is really what gets you out there to to see people, to write business. And I think everything else is just, uh, you know, a little bit extra. But uh, I mean, who doesn't want to make at least a a little bit of extra money? And I think the opportunities we're going to be talking about today as well can... uh, can really make up for maybe some leads that you just don't get anywhere with. It happens every once in a while. I've ordered leads. I've done an order of 25, 30 leads before where I just don't have a whole lot of luck. Maybe only write a few applications, but what will make up for the people slamming the door in your face, not wanting to do anything with you is a lot of the different opportunities that we're going to be talking about today. Just different ways of generating business outside of just working leads. Uh, how you doing this morning, Chris? I'm excited to share the idea of making extra money with this little cherry on top concept. I think the fact is that especially in that new agent phase, doing these little extra things when you don't have a ton of leads creates early habits that lead to long-term success. Like I was never very good at asking for referrals because I was never very good at doing that from the very beginning. But if that was a skill I had picked up from the beginning, I can't imagine what additional business I would be getting. So. Other ways to get clients besides leads, great way to really pick up that extra side of the business. Yeah, and that's just something too. I mean, it you don't want to be a new agent and then 15 years down the road think about, man, what if I was doing just, you know, what if I had been asking for referrals all this time? All the additional business I would have written. Like, do that from the beginning. I mean, the more you can write at the beginning, it's going to make your career, your job a heck of a lot easier down the road. So, uh, let's go ahead and uh, and get started here. Uh, and again, today's title, Unlocking Opportunities, uh, Insurance Success Beyond Leads. So as I mentioned, leads is really what we're leading with. Um, it should be your main focus. Uh, to be successful, I think you do have to have that steady flow of leads. And you got to be consistent when it comes to ordering leads uh, every single week. So that really does need to be your main focus. Uh, different recommended types of leads. Uh, first and foremost would be the direct mail. I think that is the primary focus is direct mail. The only time I'd recommend not working direct mail would be, uh, well, if you're maybe just getting started, you don't have direct mail of currently accessibly available. Uh, then you can focus on maybe some Facebook leads. Uh, Facebook leads, though, too, they seem like they're harder and harder to come by. There are no, not nearly as many lead vendors doing Facebook leads these days as in the past. I think a lot of these different regulations that are coming about, uh, like the second quarter of this year, maybe. I don't know if that's shooing some vendors away or not, but I was even looking over the weekend just researching different Facebook lead vendors, and there's just not many uh, the way there used to be. So uh, what that means, too, if you are placing Facebook 
lead orders. That could mean that you're not going to get those leads as quickly because if agents are all running to place orders with one vendor, I mean, that could delay the, uh, the processing of those orders and things like that. So, so yeah, direct mail, you know, another thing with direct mail, you're ordering those leads by, by zip code. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, direct mail, you're ordering the leads by zip code. Uh, and what that does, that puts you in front of a lot of people, uh, all within just a few minutes apart from one another. So you're not driving all over the place, trying to catch up with people. Uh, and I've even screwed up, uh, time and time again, where the convenience of ordering Facebook leads, it's so easy because I could place a lead order. And a lot of times I do get those leads very quickly. So that's nice. I'm not waiting around four or five weeks for the leads, but the problem with the Facebook leads is that they're not right down the street from one another. They're spread out all over the place and it gets pretty tiring when you're out running leads and you're driving all over the globe, trying to catch up with people. Um, I mean, I get real tired, uh, doing it that way, uh, where with, with, when, with the direct mail again, or with everything so close together, you get a lot more accomplished. You get a lot more done throughout the day. You're able to see a lot more people throughout the day. Cause you're doing a lot less driving in between stops. And, uh, and so even if you're paying more money for direct mail leads to me, time is money that, that Facebook lead that is 35, 40 minutes apart from the last Facebook lead you're it's costing you your money because you're seeing less people within that time. And you're spending more money on gas. So it, it really evens out. So, I mean, overall, when it comes to leads, I think that uh, especially if you're out in the field, the focus needs to be direct mail. And you just got to be focused on placing those lead orders every single week. Absolutely. I think, too, when you're in an area where you're working rural, maybe you're working direct mail, but there's very few houses from one stop to the next, or you're working Facebook or digital leads, what are you doing during your drive time with today's theme, which is um, business outside of the the singular lead? Like, do you have a bunch of voicemails like me where I could be calling somebody, calling existing clients, texting existing clients, looking for every single opportunity and not just zoning out if it's a 45-minute drive from here to here? Like, your entire focus when you're in the field and in the car and in sales mode should be, who's got my money? Where's my next opportunity? Where's my next presentation? Just because Miss Betty's calling you and left a voicemail about who is my beneficiary again? Well, maybe you can get her back on the books to do a policy review and look for new opportunities. So don't just think, yeah, well, you know, I got to drive from here to here. That's my leads for the week. You can't be finding profitable things to be doing during that drive time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too, Chris. Um, yeah, I like that idea too. I mean, why not when a client calls you about something? I mean, why not? Try to set up a time to catch up with them, um, see how they're currently set up. You just never know. I mean, I've run into it where I might have a client where they took out a policy with me and then maybe six months later, they took out another one and it wasn't with me. And it's because people inquire a lot. They fill these lead cards out. There's other people that are getting in the houses. You can, you can try to talk to your clients about not filling out more lead cards, but Sometimes people, they just keep filling stuff out. Maybe they just want to see what else is available, what else is out there, even though I know I probably put them in the best situation that is out there. But uh, yeah, it's always good to you know stay in front of your clients because if you don't, somebody else is going to. 
And that's, you know, we're going to be talking about that today too. You said a while ago, if they've responded to this form of marketing before, they're going to do it again. And mm -hmm. people get all a butt hurt about it. Like, man, my client filled out another lead or, oh, my leads are exclusive. They responded to that form of marketing. They're going to do it again. Like if you get on the Lululemon email list and they know that you clicked on an ad, they're going to keep clicking on ads because they know you respond to that form of marketing. The way I look at it too is only two to 5% of our clients or seniors, I'm sorry, a very small percent of seniors respond to direct mail marketing. When you look for the cherry on top and the clients outside the leads, there's your 95% of other people you're never going to see because they don't fill out leads. So isn't that really good motivation to see who else can I find because I know I'm never going to find them on these leads? Most definitely. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to be getting into a lot of that here awesome. uh, to kind of go through, you know, like I said, you know, just different ways outside of just working the leads. Referrals, you know, there's multiple ways of getting referrals. One way is when you are solidifying a policy that you just wrote. And that's, that's when I like to ask, um, you know, I'm solidifying the sale. And I talked about this last week too, at the end of the presentation, you might wonder how I get paid. Um, well, I get paid a commission by uh, you taking this policy out and keeping it in force. So I'm glad you are serious about your decision today. And I also get paid by you giving me names of five people who not necessarily want to take out a policy, but would at least like to hear about what we talked about today. So right there. And again, my opinion on this or my feelings on this has always been, I just helped this person with something and they're happy that I was able to help them. So now because I was able to do something for them, it's almost like I feel like they're more willing to help me if they know I'm going to get something out of it. Like they want to help me. But it's it's funny. They're more willing to help me if they know I'm actually going to make a commission or if I'm actually going to get something out of it by by getting those referrals. So that's why I say it the way that I say it. You know, you might wonder why I get paid. Well, by you giving me a few names, I'm getting paid, which is actually true because, I mean, if they give me five names, you know, you know, uh, I'm going to write some business. So, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can ask for referrals. But at the end of the day, you just have to ask. If you don't ask, you're not going to get them. And it's real easy when you're in a house too, and you're all excited that you just wrote an application. And sometimes you just, you're so excited that you're, you're ready to just move on to the next. And you get back to the car and you're like, shoot, I probably should have asked for some referrals. You know, another thing that happens when you ask for referrals and you make a habit out of asking for referrals is that, well, you're going to start getting more and more referrals because when you're writing business off of a referral, well, they know that that's how you generate business because someone else had given you their name. So now they just kind of know that's just kind of how the business works. So when you ask them for referrals, they're not going to be surprised because you know you had gotten that referral and their name handed out to you. So they're not uh, as hesitant, I guess you could say, because they just kind of know that that's how it works. So get in the habit of doing it. And like I said, too, in the past, referrals are free leads. So take advantage of uh, that. Again, that that's what's going to make up for the people that are slamming the door in your face. I think that it's also really helpful if you're going to ask the question, which you should, and you pick up a referral, to call them right then and there. Like what I, I can tell you, there's been times where I had an entire sheet of referrals and never did anything with it. Like, what was the point? It was almost a waste at that point. If you're going to get the referral at the point of sale, flip it that day. 
Miss Johnson, I appreciate you writing down Adam Bersan's name, your brother who lives down the street. Let's give him a call real quick, see if I can stop by today or at least tomorrow so I can make sure to share the information with him. Why don't you give him a call on your phone right now? Because he might not answer if I call. And there you go. Hey, Adam, I'm sitting here with your sister, Jane. Um, I'm going to have her introduce you and then roll the referral into an appointment right then and there instead of taking that piece of paper and putting it in your bag and doing jack with it. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great idea. I think that, yeah, when you're in the house, uh, heck, I have a little bit of time right now. Why don't you get a hold of them and see if they're available? Uh, call them, yeah, because, you know, one thing to remember, people don't answer their phones to people that they don't know. A lot of people have it set up where if you're not a contact in the person's phone, it's just going to go straight to their voicemail. So have their friend call, have your client call their friend, the referral or their relative. And while you're there, they can get you on the phone. You might be able to head straight over there and, and write the business right then and there. But yeah, that's the best way to do it. Um, you can try to get their address, but it's a little bit more difficult. And yeah, I mean, it's like, like I said, people, they're just not answering their phones. So we got to figure out ways to overcome that. You know, what's crazy, Adam is I think the people not, I, it's probably on a slide somewhere. Cause we're that um, predictable. Um, the people that you would get a referral of, like, say I presented to you, you referred me to your sister are the very, the very same people that as soon as you make a purchasing decision, you're going to tell that person about. And by getting a referral, not only does it give you an opportunity for a free lead and a new opportunity, but it strengthens that initial piece of business. Because if Adam's going to talk to his sister, Jane, about the sale anyway, wouldn't you have rather talked to Jane in the first place? I, I just think that those first tier people that people are going to talk to, that they're going to refer to, you're going to want to have in your good graces anyway. And and heck, if you do a good job, I mean, they're they're not gonna hesitate to to tell their friends about you and and get you to go see their friends because it's a good thing and and they want to make sure that their friends are protected as well. Another way that I have done this and asked for referrals too is uh, I I'll ask them I'll I'll say let's think about anybody that you know where if they were to pass away it could affect you financially. Meaning if, if they don't have coverage, there's a good possibility that someone's going to be asking you for help. Uh, anybody that you can think of that kind of falls into that category, those are people that we need to help because you took care of yourself. You got to pay your premium each month. I know you don't have a whole lot of extra money laying around either to be paying for other people's funerals. So who else do you know that kind of fits into that category and we'll make sure to help those people. So I was in a home last week, existing client trying to take up one more hour of my day before I went home. And I was either going to be productive for an hour or sit in traffic for an hour. It's like that five or six o'clock time frame. I'm sure we all know about. And I go and see an existing client, just get into the home and see if there's any new opportunities there. Well, her Medicare was fine. His Medicare was fine. She had just had a stroke. He was half asleep. There really wasn't any new life business on the table, but their son was there and their son looked to be about 50 or older. And I asked him, you know, how old are you? You're looking to be about, you know, 40, 50. He's, I'm 55. You're working or retired. I'm on social security. Perfect. You have insurance? Like there's other people there that you could potentially help. And if you've already been in that home before or helped somebody there at that time, I think we we get so short-sighted into thinking sometimes, Adam, 
The only person that I can talk to about final expense coverage is Mr. Donald Boone. His name is on the lead, his age, his phone number. I am only allowed to talk to Donald Boone about insurance. And if there's another person there, I can't talk to him. But there's always situations where there's more opportunity that I think we need to keep our eyes open to. Well, yeah, I mean, why why would you not want to ask about the other people that are in the house? Um, I mean, heck, I mean, it's I always do. I mean, whether it's uh, their kids, if they got grandkids running around, it's important for every everybody to be covered. And again, because if they don't have that coverage, it is going to affect the person that you just helped as well financially. So that's why, again, I mean, I think it's something everybody needs. Uh, and let's do what we can to help as many people as, as possible. Uh, next would be group presentations and events. Uh, sometimes we get leads that put us into a lot of these uh, buildings. Uh, if you have a lead who lives in a high-rise apartment building or senior community, ask the building manager or event coordinator if you could schedule a time to educate the residents. Uh, it's a great way to reach a great number of people. Yeah, if you can schedule an event, be sure to pass out flyers weeks in advance to get the uh, most out of the attendance. Uh, and all you got to do, honestly, you, you, you go down, you, you talk to the event coordinator, uh, you let them know what you do, you let them know that it's all, I always say, it's always a good time. You know, we always have a good time. We, we bring, uh, we bring snacks, we bring refreshments, uh, we do raffles and that's all they really care about. The event coordinator, like, are you feeding our, our people? Like, <laughs> are you giving them at least a little something? That's all they really care about. So, uh, just let them know. Yeah. You know, it's always a good time, but it's putting you in front of a lot of people at once. And, I don't feel like you're going to write a ton of business that first day. I know a lot of agents think that they can just run their business around these group events at senior complexes. Uh, you might write maybe one app, maybe two apps, depending on how many people show up. But where you're going to generate a lot of the business is through a lot of the follow-up. And what I do, like I mentioned, uh, I'll mention that we do like a raffle. I will... Uh, I'll take either like a bunch of like note cards or maybe even I have like a, like a brochure from a, a, a certain, uh, certain carrier where maybe there's like a little, a little perforated card where they can fill out their information, their name, their address, their phone number. And I will use those as like raffle tickets. So I will, uh, I'll, I'll pass all of those around and I'll let everybody know that we're going to be doing a raffle. Usually I'll do like a, $25 gift card for like a local restaurant or maybe like, uh, or maybe like a store like Walmart or target, something like that. Uh, but that's all you need to do. I mean, heck 25 bucks. They're happy. And, and, but anyways, we're going to be raffling off this gift card. So here's your ticket. Fill, you know, be sure to fill out your information. What are you doing when they're filling out all that information and they're giving you that raffle card back? You're creating leads of everybody that came to that event. So whether they did something that day or they're going to do something in the future, you had now have their information and you can go back and you can catch up with them. And that's usually what I do. I'll, I'll, I'll end the event. Maybe I'll write an app or two, and then I'll just keep trying to get back into that building. Um, I already got all the people's information, so I'll just try to get back into the building and I'll door knock those, uh, those cards, just like uh, direct mail leads. I'll walk around the complex and just knock on the doors of the people that were at the event. Let them know that I was 
there a few days ago, they'll remember me and I'll just tell them that I was catching up with some of the people that were, that were at the event and I'll see if they'd like to maybe, uh, get a quick quote that it'll take about maybe five minutes or so. So that's how I generate the business out of something like that. Not from the, the initial event, but the follow-up from the people that were at the event by doing that raffle, receiving all of those cards back. And now I got a whole bunch of free leads of people to go see. I did several of these, probably my first 12 to 18 months in the business. And I, I, I didn't have the funds to be able to increase my lead order yet, but I could increase, I can still do the activity. So I get into a building, I talk to the events coordinator, I schedule the event, and then I could just turn $25 into a presentation into probably at least $2,500 in premium. Adam, I look at it a different way too. If you took a three-hour radius around where you live, you could probably find four senior centers in a three-hour radius. I mean, unless you lived in Alaska and that's a different problem, you probably could find four of these in a three-hour radius, right? And if every Friday you were at one of those, couldn't you write additional business? Couldn't you be productive? Couldn't you do something more than sitting home and scrolling TikTok? I think in a in that kind of a radius, you could find four senior centers easily and to keep your Fridays busy if you didn't have the money to increase your lead order yet. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can really make yourself out to be the insurance man or the insurance woman for that complex. Um, if you do it right, where when people think about insurance, they're going to think about Adam or they're going to think about Chris um, because that's the guy that always comes in and takes care of us. Uh, my dad is actually really good at that, too. For those of you that don't know that my dad is in the business as well, he's real good at that, too, where he'll actually just drop in at these complexes. He'll go to Dunkin' Donuts. He'll pick up a dozen donuts. If you walk up to an entrance at one of these uh, big old apartment complexes and they have like that dial in buzzer and you don't have anybody to dial into. But if you walk in with a box of donuts, you think someone might let you in. <laughs> so, Very um, true. you know, Very he'll true. walk in with the box of donuts and he'll just put them like in like the little community area with like a, a note. Just just says something like, you know, thank you so much for letting me uh do business with you all. If there's anybody else who needs help with fi their final expenses, feel free to give me a call and he'll leave some business cards and some brochures and he gets business that way. So, uh, so just again, you know, they already know him in the building. They're going to let him in. He brings the donuts that helps too, but, uh, just other ways to, again, to, to get that additional business out of the, out of those buildings, make yourself out to be the person in that building. So when they think about insurance, you're the one that uh, that they're going to be reaching out to. You know what's crazy is that when you look at the Medicare side of what we do, so much Medicare business is generated via grassroots marketing. And a lot of what we're talking about is grassroots per se. And I would say so little of life premium on the independent space is generated by grassroots marketing. Maybe we can find like a happy medium between the two. You know, the Lincoln Heritage agent is absolutely in the senior center booking the presentation and writing business the senior life that all of those captive companies are doing this. So why aren't we? Yeah. You, I mean, you might as well. Um, like I said, I mean, it's we're, uh, what we're talking about today, just other ways of generating business outside of leads. And it's just a great way to, to do that, to generate that additional, uh, additional business. Flea markets is another one. 
Uh, a lot of times in the summertime, great, at least by me, it costs about $20 to rent a table. And same thing, if anything, uh, if you have kids, I would recommend to maybe bring your kids with you. They can walk around and they can hand out brochures and flyers to people that are just kind of walking around. They can even let people know that over there at the table, there's a, there's a, a raffle going on and they can, they can win a, a $25 gift card. So go over there and fill out the raffle card. And same thing, you're going to generate additional leads that you can work, uh, well, the next week. A whole bunch of leads for $20. Well, figure 45 bucks plus the cost and maybe some marketing materials. That's that's all it's going to cost you to, to get a whole bunch of people to catch up with. So same thing, you know, just other ways of, of generating that additional business. I think you could really call this presentation, if there's a will, there's a way. Like this is all ways you can will yourself into a stable part of the business. But most people, I mean, let's be realistic. They're going to read that and be like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. No, a, a boo, not doing flea market. But most people that aren't willing to do it when they need to do it are going to sit at home on a Saturday and do nothing. Like this is really, really useful information for people that just, man, I, I want to do this. I just don't know how to do it. There you go. A, a freaking flea market. There's got to be four of those in a three-hour radius that you can do over the course of every Saturday. So now we've just booked your Fridays with senior centers, your Saturdays with flea markets, and you can door knock Monday through Thursday. You can absolutely do this if you want to. Well, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to mention too, feel free to comment um, any, maybe you maybe you guys have some suggestions that have worked uh, for you guys. You know, again, every 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 little bit helps. I mean, maybe you have an idea that no one has even thought of or done feel free to throw it in the comments. And uh, again, you know, all of your feedback is, uh, is greatly helpful and appreciated. Three week follow-up. Let's just say you, you wrote a policy. Uh, you just, all you got to do, you let the client know after you wrote the policy that you're going to be coming back in, in about three weeks, just to follow up, make sure everything is accurate. And, 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 uh, and basically the, what you told them it was going to be. Uh, if that makes sense to you, you know, you, you, you make the sale, there, there's the trust there, the initial trust, but then they still want to make sure that everything you told them was true and that they're going to get their policy and, and that it is what you said it was going to be. And, and once all that happens, then they, well, they, they trust you even a little bit more. So you go back once you know that they receive their policy and you can, you can add additional coverage even at that point. Uh, and, you know, we tested this a couple of years ago and I think, what was it about two out of the five that we went back to, uh, we, we were able to write additional business. So you just let them know that they were approved for a higher face amount with the carrier that you wrote the policy with. So let's see, you wrote a $15,000 policy and they can get up to 35,000 with the carrier that you're using. Let them know that you actually qualify for up to 35,000. Did you want to take care of that today. I know that you have the 15 and that's enough if you were to die tomorrow, but what happens if you live another 20 years? So, and a lot of times they'll say, yeah, you know, let's take care of it now. And I'll even tell them at least right now, you know, you can get it because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring or next year. Um, but we know right now that, that you can, you can add on to that, that, uh, that policy that you just took out. So that's, that's kind of how we, we do it. Adam, I was thinking, I went to a convention once when I worked at the first organization I worked at, and the guy said, deliver all your policies. 
and I did everything I was supposed I was told to do at that phase of my career, and that's why I made it to the next phase. Like deliver all of them. All right, let's do it. It was a lot. Like it was a lot of work because I wrote a good amount of insurance. It took up a lot of Saturdays. Then I thought to myself, this isn't profitable at all. What an absolute waste of time. But no, what I did is what Adam just mentioned. I learned how to add on coverage during the delivery phase. And a lot of carriers at that time made it incredibly simple. And I would go there with a little sticky note. And it would be, I'm just trying to see if I can get them to buy two, three, four, five, eight bucks a month more in coverage, nothing crazy. And if I could get them to get $8 a month more coverage, the sticky note was attached to the policy. It would literally look like this. And I would walk in there, I'd review it, and I'd go to my sticky note, and I'd say, Adam, for an extra $8, you were pre-approved to go from $15 to $18.5. Did you want me to send that in after I leave today? One out of two, one out of three, sometimes one out of four would do it. And I'd get a little bit of extra business. I would justify in my head the money behind delivering the policies and the persistency that year, Adam, in the high 90%. Of course, I couldn't do it forever, but as a personal producer – in personal producing phase, I think it's completely sustainable. And the fact that by doing it, not only did I pay for it with extra business, but my persistency was top three of that IMO. I mean, that's proof of concept right there. Well, yeah. And, uh, well, and again, they're, they're not, uh, well, they're not expecting that. And well, one thing you, if you do it within like 30 days, you don't even have to write a new policy. No. All you have to do is call into the home office and say, hey, they decided, my client decided that they, you know, I know that they were approved and they received their policy, but they want 15000 um, you know, instead of 12000 whatever. And yeah, all it takes is like an amendment that might need to be signed and then they'll be covered with that additional coverage, no additional policy, no additional policy fee. You know, there's policy fees that are added into these rates. So a new policy, you know, they'd be paying a little bit more for that additional coverage. So within 30 days, some of them, maybe 45 days, uh, you can do this and, and you don't even have to write a new application or a new, you know, they don't even have to take out that additional policy. Like Chris said, you know, if, if there's a will, there's a way. And these are just additional things that a lot of agents don't want to take the time to do, but if they're sitting around wondering why there's other people out there that are more successful and they're making a lot more money than they are, they're doing some of this extra stuff. Maybe not all of it, but they're at least doing some of it. So like anything else, I mean, you get out of it as much as what you're willing to put in. Another one, help the disabled. Many people who are disabled don't think that they can get covered. And many agents may not be equipped to be able to write business on people who are on oxygen or who need wheelchair assistance. So for you, this is a huge opportunity. If you're driving around and you notice uh, there's a wheelchair ramp, don't be afraid to stop. Or if you see an oxygen and use sign on the door, don't be afraid to stop. Drop by, knock on the door, let the person know uh, what you do and that you may be able to help them. I, I had a, a guy who taught me how to do the business, walked up to a screen door in like a section eight apartment building in South Jersey. Didn't have a lead, didn't have a name, knocked on the door. Hey, someone in this house here is on um, disability, aren't they? Oh, I am. Perfect. Well, I'm here to help you with your, your final expense coverage. Completely off the wall kind of thing to do. But he knew if he's in that kind of an area, there's other people that are in that target market. And all you got to do is confidently walk up the door and find them. 
like elite card is really just somebody that we know is old enough and on social security and their name. Other than that, it's just a piece of junk mail. So if you know you're in that area, in that neighborhood, in that building where there's other people in that market, you're literally walking away from business by leaving that area without asking somebody if they want your help. I've been in like elevators even, like a lot of these different insurance complexes. And, you know, and I'll have, uh, and I'll, you know, I'll be in the elevator and, and the per, and there'll, there'll be people in there with me. I mean, it kind of, kind of the same thing. It's like, well, it doesn't hurt to ask. They know that I'm on my way to like, uh, an appointment or maybe just to door knock a lead, but, uh, I'll let them know what I'm doing and why I'm there. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm the, uh, I'm the insurance man in the building. You know, uh, one of the residents upstairs had requested information for some burial insurance to cover their funeral. Uh, how are you set up? Do you need coverage? Same thing. I mean, it just doesn't hurt to ask. Um, and I've done that and I've had people tell me, yeah, well, well, uh, once you go visit with that person that you're there to see, come see me after, um, I'd like to talk to you. And I've written business that way. So I'll get their name and their apartment number and I'll tell them, all right, I'll be there in about an hour or so. So Adam, my very first sale reminded me was one of these type of sales. I had bought some old leads in South Philly, aged, reworked, far from exclusive. God knows how well they even work on leads, but I was told to buy them. So I did. And I went out and I started door knocking these leads. Get in with senior building, knock on the lady's door. F off. I don't want you in my apartment. Oh, all right. No big deal. He didn't kill me. I didn't die from this. Whatever. <laughs> and as I'm walking down the hall, I see a lady sitting there. And I say to myself in that moment, you've scheduled yourself to be in the field instead of working your paramedic job where you would have made $200. You're going to do this for 10 hours. You got to find something to get out of today. I walked up to the lady. Hey, I'm in the building helping seniors with final expense coverage. Did you fill one of these out? I haven't met you yet. Conversation starts. And before you know it, she takes me back to her apartment. We sat down at the kitchen table and I wrote her a good old classic American continental policy. And nine months later, I was back in the building adding on coverage. Like this kind of stuff works. And I think to myself, if I had never done that, and went my first day in the field and didn't make a penny when I needed every penny to pay every bill, would I have kept going? Would I have made it to the next month, the next year? Maybe, maybe not. Like this kind of stuff really does make such a difference. And it's the very first way I made a sale. Again, it just doesn't hurt to, to ask. And I've even, uh, if there's nobody even in the elevator, I usually have like a little flyer or something that's got my information on it that talks about burial insurance. I might accidentally drop a few in the elevator. <laughs> I mean, you never know who might pick them up. Uh, there's even like bulletin boards too at a lot of the different senior complexes. Uh, I've seen some where right when you get off the elevator, like every single floor, there's going to be like a little bulletin board. And I've done that too, where I'll, I'll go up and down there. It could be 20 floors. I don't care. And I'll put my little flyer with my information on each bulletin board all the way down that whole complex. You never know who's going to walk past it and be like, wow, I was just thinking about that. I need, I need this. I need to call that guy. But if I didn't put the, the flyers out, I know for sure I'm not going to get a phone call, but by taking maybe 15 minutes one day and doing that, it's going to generate some business. So then current policyholders, you know, we talked a little bit about this already, but 
you know, one of the biggest mistakes we make as agents is not contacting, servicing, or reviewing our current policyholders. Often we've underinsured them in the beginning, and I do that a lot. I, I like to focus on the initial need right then and there. Um, I want to make sure they can afford it. Uh, I talked about this a lot last week. If you weren't on the training last week, uh, hop over to YouTube and watch uh, the the presentation I, that I loaded up on there. But, um, you know, I, I like to keep it affordable. I want to make sure that they can pay it every month. I can always go back later and write more. So I usually write enough for the initial need right now. Um, but then I know because this is what I do. I, I, I know I'm going to go back in probably about a year and do what I can to write them additional coverage. And over the last few weeks, I've been doing that a lot. I've written a lot of additional business just off of those existing policyholders. And remember too, if they're younger, um, you know, they are subject to increasing funeral costs 20, 30 years down the road. They may not have enough to pay for a plot, opening, closing, vault, marker. I mean, they got enough for right now. I want to make sure they have enough for even 20 years down the road. Um, and uh, and they they may have just retired. They might have lost their, their group policy. Sometimes that happens too. They have other coverage. When you leave the job, you lose it or that, that coverage really decreases quite a bit. So there's always ways or reasons to go back and write additional business on your clients. And like we talked about earlier, Chris, if you don't keep up with your clients, another insurance company is going to or another agent is going to. So we need to, we need to stay in front of our clients. And in my opinion, we get paid renewals for a reason and we get paid renewals to service our clients. Part of servicing our clients is making sure that they all always have enough coverage to cover uh, what this is in, what, what this is intended to cover. I always wondered why in the beginning or more often there isn't training or conversation about your book of business. Like, I think I kind of stumbled on the idea. Maybe I heard it from somebody in some video one day on a training like this. And I thought, why am I not doing that? Like, why not? And then I more and more business I write, the more and more clients I can go back and see. Heck, clients fall off the books and it typically wasn't on purpose and they can typically be rewritten or conserved. And life events take place. People buy more coverage. I went into a home once and since I had been there the first time, the guy added like $300 a month of additional premium with other carriers. And my mind was blown. I'm like, they really do buy more from other people. Why am I not trying to get in front of these folks more often so I can be that person? Yeah, I had an agent uh, I was talking to uh, over the last couple of weeks. This guy, he writes on average easily over 100000 in premium every year. And he's been doing this for, I would say, probably close to at least 10 years. Like this guy's got a really big book of business. And he's like, you know, I've never done that. I've never gone back and tried to write additional coverage. I just, I'm so focused on just always ordering leads and focusing on the leads. And I'm like, man, you just got to go back through your, your book of business. I know you got a lot of business that you can write there. And he started doing it. And he's uh, over the last few weeks as well. I mean, he's been writing more business just off of those existing policyholders. You know, one thing to keep in mind too, if you're door knocking leads, well, that person's already let you in the house. So they're going to let you in again, you know, more than likely I, I would hope that they're, they're going to remember you. 
but more than likely you're not going to have a tough time getting back in the door. But not even that they just, they've let you in the house before you're about to say it. You already know their name, you know, their birth date, you know, their social security number, you know, their beneficiary, and you might even know their bank account information. Like it's the easiest opportunity you're ever going to find once you identify the opportunity, you already have everything you need to submit more business. Could you imagine getting a lead that comes pre-filled with their name, birth date, address, social, and bank account? That's what these are when you go out there and you see these people. Yeah, and if you're good with keeping good records, uh, you should have a copy of the initial application that you wrote. With me, I mean, I, I keep everything on the cloud. I, I use, uh, I just use the iCloud, and I have everything right in there. And so when I'm visiting with the policyholder, everything's right there. Yeah, you're right. I have their name. I got their social. I got their bank information. Uh, it's the easiest application to write. I don't even have to like re-ask those questions. Everything's right there in front of me. I mean, you're in and out of the house in like 20 minutes with a, a new additional application. But you got to do your part first by keeping those those good records of your clients. Like you can't just write the business and move on to the next and not not keep record of all that stuff. You got to save those copies of the applications so you can always go back. Not all carriers are going to provide that information to you. Um, and heck, you just never know what could happen. I mean, you might be writing business with a carrier where then all of a sudden they decide they don't want to do business uh, anymore, any more final expense <laughs> business. And then you're not going to be able to get that information. So, <laughs> so you want to make sure to keep good record. Uh, so, no matter what happens in the future with whatever carriers you're using, uh, you're going to have that information and you're still going to be able to service your clients. And then, uh, like I said, you know, visit them once a year. It's a good idea too. send them birthday cards, send them holiday cards. I say holiday cards because I like to send stuff that maybe other agents might not send. Like I've, I've sent out Easter cards. I've sent out Thanksgiving cards. Uh, how many people get a Thanksgiving card in the mail? Well, uh, I mean, heck, if they're having a bunch of people over at their house and they see, uh, and everybody else in, in their home sees this Thanksgiving card sitting there on their, their counter or maybe hanging on their refrigerator, they might be wondering who sent it to them. So little things like that make a difference. Even like I said, Easter, um, if you're visiting with a husband and wife, ask them how long they've been married, ask them when their anniversary is send them an anniversary card in the mail. Uh, those are just little things that are going to separate you from the other agents out there who don't think to do those sort of things. And the clients appreciate that you're making that, that client like a real person. And then they feel like they're more than just a, you know, like another client or just like a number to you. Like they, it shows that you care and it makes it a lot easier to be able to write that additional business in the future. I was thinking this morning, my closing thought for the day, um, all the people who had a carrier contract or a license, a carrier contract, a pack of leads and a few weeks to make it work. And that didn't. And the people that failed out of the industry that sit back at their office, their retail job, their work from home position. And at the end of the pay week, don't have enough money to make things work. And they think to themselves of the opportunity that they wasted. It, it, there are people like that that aren't watching these videos because they don't want to, to remind themselves, but they, they wasted this opportunity. Adam just showed you all kinds of ways to make money without buying a single lead.
And if you have a will, he has a way, and he just presented it to you. Pretty awesome, Adam. And this concludes another episode of the Insurance Life and Everything in Between podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend or colleague. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please leave those too. Any input is greatly appreciated. Thank you.